and welcome to the LYF podcast. This podcast is provided to you by the Love Yourself Foundation, which is an organization here to help spread the message of love and more specifically self-love and the powerful ripple effect that has in not only building better relationships with other people, but ultimately building a more harmonious and stronger connection with Mother Earth. We're here to tell you that we're all one. All living beings are connected to each other, to Mother Earth, to the universe. So we're going to be talking about important topics like mental health, environmental issues, and tying it all back into the self and ways that you can help improve the relationship with yourself to, again, empower yourself so you can empower your community and empower our beautiful planet. If you like what you hear, please hit subscribe. Also, you can check us out on Facebook, Instagram at The LY Foundation. You can also check out our website at thelyfoundation.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the LYF podcast. Monica here, and I am joined by Miss Rachel and Mr. JR. Say hello. Hello, hello. Thank you for tuning in. Yeah, so we're going to be talking about December's theme, and we've chosen the theme of reflection. And we're going to be talking about this year, obviously, just reflecting on 2020 um, and all the lessons that we've learned and, and also the collective lessons that we think perhaps our species has learned. And hopefully we're stronger together moving forward. Um, So we're going to just get right to it. I'm going to pose the question for us. So what is the biggest obstacle you faced during 2020? And feel free, anyone that wants to take that on first. I can go. Um, I think that the biggest obstacle I had to overcome was getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and being uncertain. Um, A lot of this year was spent knowing that we didn't know what was going on or how long things were going to last or what direction things were going to take. And we also knew that we weren't going to know when we would find all that out. So we knew, like, take um, the election, take lockdown, like we knew these things were happening and that we were going to be thrown into a period of uncertainty and that there wasn't going to be a lot of definite answers and that we wouldn't know when it would resolve. It was kind of just that hurry up and wait, you know, lockdown, stay at home and wait for for what exactly, you know, wait for the election to resolve in some way, shape, or form, but no one really gets a a satisfying resolution yet. And that kind of bled into my own life as I was heading into the lockdown, as I'm sure it did with so many other people. And I, I noticed that I was, you know, feeling shiftless, feeling aimless a lot of the time. And I was trying to, you know, just maintain the habit of being mindful because I really had to, you know, fight I love knowing exactly what I'm doing. I love having a plan. I loved knowing where my career was going and what I was going to be doing and where I was going to be living. And I had all that down to a T and then all that went out the, you know, out the window. And I found myself at 23 filing unemployment for the first time ever. And I was not the only one. So I felt like I was surrounded by people who could understand, but I also felt like it was almost a personal thing for me to overcome in so many ways. I had to change a lot of my attitude about life and being uncomfortable that I, I hadn't even thought about challenging until this year. 
Absolutely. And I feel like, yeah, you, you really touched on like all the collective struggles that I think we all had to face, especially the plan part. Like for me, that's like, that resonates a lot. And that's kind of something I've had to kind of get used to is like learning to have a plan, but at the same time being flexible. Um, but this year made that even more apparent because we actually didn't have a plan. <laughs> like there was no plan and even you know and of course it's as we um started to get maybe some footing we were able to start okay maybe creating some short-term plans but man yeah it was kind of like it felt like starting over from scratch I can't even I thought about March and April when we had to shut down all of our events and I just thought like man we were really you know it was a shock almost. We were kind of in shock a little bit, the entire team, because we had all these events planned, all these in-person collabs, and then all of a sudden we were stuck. So I I feel like we all kind of as a team helped each other through that. And boy, was it a time. Yeah, man, it was a pillar for sure. And I just remember, um, yeah, because everything happened so quickly, but I just remember I'm like, okay, well, time to get a Zoom membership. <laughs> And like, that's our, you know, all of our conversations, we just, bam, let's, we're we're on Zoom now. (laughs) Let's figure this out. (laughs) But man, everyone was so good though. Honestly, like we all, I'm so grateful of how we were just all so vocal of like our, our fears because we were all in it together. And that's what made me feel stronger is to have you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. What about you, JR? What's your obstacle? Uh, well, I mean, I think the biggest obstacle for me during this time was just trying to figure out how to juggle everything at once. And a lot of this kind of came out of nowhere. Um, I think we kind of got a, an inkling of what was going to be happening, but we really didn't know how intense it was going to be. We just figured maybe we'll be at home for maybe a month or two, and then we'll kind of get back to things. But man, was I wrong about that. <laughs> but <laughs> I think as as kind of separating the two, work-wise, my job and, and, and the team that I work with, we were kind of fortunate to kind of have these work at home, kind of, this situation kind of already planned out ahead of time. Not something to this scale, obviously, but um, we were very fortunate in that kind of transition period for our staff to, you know, be able to work from home. So that was kind of the, the saving grace. And, and if I can be quite honest, this was kind of the way we wanted to go to work anyways, was to do it from home. But just the, the the idea of everyone being at home and having to be constantly on and, and on your game 100% of the time to make sure that everybody can do their work was definitely a, a task in itself. Uh, I don't think that I've ever experienced stress in a way that I did this year, simply because you don't get to see these people every day. You don't get to be in front of them. You don't get to be hands-on with the, the type of tech work that we do. So I think that that for us was kind of the difficulty that came about in the sense of that was the obstacle that we had to deal with during that time because we've never faced something like this before. But personally, I think it was more of, let's be honest, for myself, this is like another Saturday for me. All right. I'm a homebody. I like being at <laughs> home. This kind of situation where people were getting a little scared or freaked out that they're going to have to be home and locked down in their home. I was just like, I prepared myself for 10, 15 years of this. So I think I would be okay. (laughs) But I think I was not prepared to live with my own thoughts during that entire time. 
because we've been so enveloped in trying to do the hustle and bustle of the everyday, we already got our routine. We know we're going to work, we're going to the gym, we're doing this, we're doing that. And we don't really have the, we didn't really have the time to kind of sit down with ourselves and, and figure some things out that obviously needed to be taken care of, but we just put that off because we had more important things to do that that was the obstacle personally for me that I had to deal with was trying to, you know, actually sit down with myself and be like, Hey, we got a lot of time on our hands and there's some stuff we got to fix. So let's go ahead and do the work that we need to do so you can better yourself throughout the year. Because I think a lot of people can kind of lose themselves when they don't do that kind of thing, especially in the time that we live in now is that Mm -hmm. all you got is yourself and the people that are in your vicinity, in your home, that you got to try to make it the best that you can. So yeah, definitely one personal obstacle that I've been dealing with, but Thankfully, I've been able to come on the other side of that. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing, JR. And I think, you, I mean, you kind of touched on it too. For me, it was all, like what you said, like just dealing with things that you knew you had to deal with and you weren't, you hadn't been addressing. Um, and I, it was interesting as I reflect back on March when everything, when the lockdown started, I had an influx of fear, so much fear and anxiety and depression. I remember... <laughs> I remember like the first week I didn't even, I barely brushed my teeth. I remember I was like, and then I, and that was, and then when I had the opportunity to go to the farm, I'm like, okay, I have to go. Let me just go with the land and figure out my shiz. (laughs) But it was a hard time. It was weird because then at the same time, I feel like, and we can get into this more a little later too. Uh, we were also dealing with, um, and they're still going on, but like conspiracy theories and our fears kind of compounding on the conspiracy theories, amplifying those. So what a time, like of just so much information and like a lot of that information amplifying our fear and swimming our way through that and staying sane through it. That's so true. I think I saw I saw a tweet that had me laughing about everything. And it was like, in any given day of this year, I received more information and more input than like a medieval peasant did in his entire lifetime. And I just think about that. But it's so true. Like we received so much bad news. And it was great to be aware of it. It was great to be aware of, you know, social injustice, civil rights infractions, Mm -hmm. like inhumanity everywhere and death and sickness. It is good to be aware of those things, but we couldn't escape it for so long. And sometimes it's still, you know, like with the election and with politics and all that, it still kind of creeps up on you like, you'll find yourself scrolling and just be inundated with it. And so that was really eye-opening for me to like laugh at, but then be like, oh, it's not actually too much of a joke. That's kind of true. We kind of got overloaded with more than really any human brain should be expected to intake and comprehend in their lifetime. Yeah, 100%. Wow, that's so true. (laughs) Yeah, I remember lifting up my phone Every time I woke up in the morning, I'll have one eye open, just waking up. And the first thing I would do is go on Twitter and just to see what more bad news is there out. Like, cause there'd be just be a little bit of some good news, but it just seemed like during those months, it was just like bad, bad, bad. Things are closing down. People are still getting sick across the world too. I don't think I've ever been that involved in the news in my entire life. Not only that, but the election too. Mm-hmm. I've never looked at the election map so long, <laughs> so hard. Just hitting so refresh. 
Yeah, it'd be three o'clock in the morning. Did Georgia come in yet? I don't, I don't know. But yeah, it's crazy how that kind of shifts your mentality of just wanting to know more, wanting to figure out what's going on, what's true and what's not true. It's crazy. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But in the end, though, I I do think it's it's helped us get stronger in so many ways, and that kind of ties into our next question: Is do you feel like you've become a better person? as a result of everything that 2020 brought and uh, and why and how did you get there? I kind of want to pass this off to you, JR, because I know you said you had some self-talking to do. So how did that turn out? Uh, it turned out really well. It was a little bit late in the game, but it still happened. Uh, there were a couple things that happened in my life that, uh, this year that were kind of a catalyst for me to wanting to find the help that I need. And once I finally sat down and actually talked to a counselor and talked things through, um, it was kind of a transformative experience, if I could say that. I, I think that there have been a lot of things that, and I think I talked about this on the last podcast too, is there was a lot of things I was kind of holding back, things I didn't forgive myself for, um, things I was dealing with for many, many years that I just never sat down to talk to somebody about it. And once I finally did that, it finally was that kind of weight lifted off my shoulder that, you know, you're not a bad person. It's okay to forgive yourself and kind of become this better version. So I would say 2020 was definitely a, a turned me into a better person. I wouldn't say the best person, obviously, because there's still a lot of work that needs to be done, but definitely better, a, a kind of a newer version of me. So in that sense, I don't think everything was bad in 2020. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I guess for me, definitely, like you're saying, like there's still work to be done, but I see the Monica that that entered into January of 2020, and I see the Monica now, and I see her much more um, just stronger in her voice and stronger in her boundaries, um, healthier. Uh, so definitely, I mean, I've talked about the pharma bunch, but for me, for my mental health, just um, having gone through like when on the farm, whenever I had to prune a, a tree or what or or any of anything like that, it it automatically made me think of myself and like the the transformation that I was going through and our collective was going through. And so that I mean, going to the farm was like the best thing I could have done. I needed to experience stillness in a time where all there was was so much noise and to just figure out what what felt right and what didn't feel right and then in accordance to okay what changes did i need to do for myself so so yeah that's me (laughs) i i remember at the beginning and the first couple months of the pandemic we talked quite a bit and i remember like i think it was just like it, it after a few months there was just a change in you like i remember it felt like you were weighted down by so much at the beginning like you were taking on so much you were giving like so much of yourself to everyone else and there was nothing left for you and i like we could tell and so it was like just such a drastic change when you you faced that and acknowledged it and then started addressing it started saying no to things, started, you know, delegating things more, leaning on us more. And, and you're like a whole like different person from beginning to end, because now like you're, you're like, again, like the light Monica, like guiding radiant light, we all know and love. And so it was really, um, it was really important to the rest of us to see that too, because, you know, like, 
everyone wants to think that the like our leaders are perfect but they're not they're fallible and they need support just as much as us and that was like it was a really powerful like just kind of exchange of energy between all of us in those first couple months it was um and it was really great to see you like buckle up and like get so much stronger and come out like fighting because I know I know we've leveled up a lot of our stuff and we've done a lot of stuff in LIF that at the beginning we wouldn't have even thought to do like we were just kind of keeping our heads above water and you were definitely keeping your head above water and then once we could get you know on a lifeboat then the the magic really started um and it was the same way for me too Mm. you know I think that the pandemic has made me a better person working with LIF this year in like such a hit the ground running capacity. Cause like I really dove in as soon as lockdown hit and like, you know, wanted to give all my energy since I didn't have a job. I wanted to give all my energy to something that meant something to me. And that made me a better person because I feel like I understand myself and other people more. I'm more likely to, you know, view something with compassion as opposed to anger or ignoring or something that, you know, I would tend to do in my regular life, but that's maybe not so useful or productive. And I'm also willing to share more, which has been really important to me because I've gotten, whenever I share a story, I feel so scared because it's so scary to be vulnerable, especially to be vulnerable on social media. But every time I've done it, I've gotten responses from people, people that I've been friends with that have been like, I am so glad that you shared this. I'm so glad that you're like a part of this cause. I'm so glad that you're, you know, speaking up about this. And it's made me realize like our voice does matter. Like, you know, maybe my best friend knows me and knows like, oh yeah, Rachel's like a super big advocate for mental health. Rachel's a super big advocate for like relationship boundaries. Unless I talk about it, people don't really know. Um mm-hmm. I wouldn't, and we shouldn't expect them to know things like that. So sharing stories like that, like, like I got married right before this pandemic hit and then our entire married life has existed in this storm (laughs) that is this year. (laughs) And it's made me think so much more about relationships, about mine, my friendships, my like family relationships. And all of that has been like transformative during this. And I feel like every experience even if I haven't appreciated it at the time, it has definitely made me better in some like some way, whether it's like compassion or action. Really, this just this year just taught me like, no, you got to get out there. You you can't just you know be the silent one every time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Aw, thank you so much for for that reflection, Rachel. And um, man, I almost cried just hearing you talk too. <laughs> I saw. <laughs> so thank You're you so much. Sweet. You got those allergies too? Oh, I think I got those. <laughs> no, but it's so true. And um, I'm, yeah, I, um, I'm so grateful to have you guys. I mean, it's such a, I mean, this work that we're doing with the Love Yourself Foundation <clears throat> is so powerful because of the message. But like sometimes we touch upon it in different captions but this work is a constant reminder for ourselves, for, for us, you know, like we don't, we're, we're learning as we're going and, and sharing and 
but it's that it's so it's such medicine for all of us on the team and and so just to see that that happening for for our team and for y'all to see it and others and and you right now as you're reflecting and how you've seen my growth like that's what it's all about we're here to root each other and help each other grow so beyond grateful for 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 all of it so a for growth (laughs) (laughs) absolutely which was one of our first topics at the start of the pandemic that was one of our monthly topics it's crazy to see how we actually have grown since then (laughs) (laughs) so much so much so much yeah it's actually kind of insane too because i'm coming on to lyf kind of late in the game so i I still think you're an og i mean i mean let's let's really (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but to see the amount of work that you guys were able to do and, and be able to pivot from in-person workshops and, and group meetups to doing everything virtually and almost in an instant has been kind of crazy to see. But at the same time, it just shows how dedicated LYF is to be able to help the community out there. It's just it's awesome to see that even in a pandemic, LIF can still help others. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you know, we couldn't do that without the perfect website we've been given to <laughs> be a hub. To be a Thank hub you, for Thank everyone. You, so JR, you're really I think you can really just take all the credit for that part. No, no, it's a collective. It is a collective group. I do not take any uh, <laughs> praise, but uh, I do say thank you. <laughs> oh, I love it. Awesome. So now let's get more into uh, talking about humanity. So what are some shortcomings do you all think that we've had to face as a collective and that we've been really tested this year? There is just, we just continue to get tested in many, many ways. <laughs> what I what I think would sum up a lot of the things I've seen and that have rubbed me the wrong way is we have, like humans have a natural tendency to want to group things to make meaning out of them, mm-hmm. but that turns around on us when it divides us. And I think that people have gotten very comfortable with seeing things and seeing every possible category as a division. And not only that, because division is fine. Separate is sometimes fine. But what's not good is when we start ascribing values to it. Like we're so tied to things like a two-party system, vaccines, anti-vaccines, like pro-climate change, anti-climate change, pro-life, pro-choice. And so many of these things are like people are willing to die on these hills now and people are willing to like point across the line at someone else that they don't know and be like I hate you I I and I need to practice this you know more because sometimes I just want to be like yeah I hate them they don't want me to have rights so I do hate them but you know I can I can understand without agreeing with them. I've been like, you know, seeing so many people with so many different backgrounds that are like just written off. And, you know, I don't really think we should write anyone off. I think, you know, it's time to stop being like, let's wait for the racist to die off. Cause it's very clear that not all the racists are old people. Um, it's not just your racist grandma or something like that. And you can't just write them off anymore. Like it's time to, you know, make a dialogue to, to reach out to them and some people are filled with hate. That's that's just clear. 
but that says more about them than it ever does about you and the way you respond to them. They can be filled with hate. They can commit hateful acts. They can say hateful things. And you can still say, I forgive you because I know there's some pain in your heart. There's some like something that is that caused you to think this way and it serves you some purpose clearly or you would, wouldn't hold on to it the way you do and just walk away. Like sometimes you just have to say that and, and hope that that changes. And if more people do that, maybe there's some change. And obviously I don't want to just like, you know, peace, love everyone because there's, Mm -hmm. there's change that has to happen. There's change that very much has to happen soon to keep life on this planet and to keep peaceful life on this planet. And so obviously advocate for that, but there's a lot of, um, writing off of people that we do and we can't make groups monoliths. We have to understand. And that's something that I appreciate about LYF is that we do have things in common, but we have, you know, diversities and difference. We have diversities in, in spiritual alignment, in, you know, moral values and things like that. Some of us are very political leaning. Some of us are very spiritual leaning. Some of us love to straddle those lines. And what we do is we don't, you know, we seek to understand, like we seek to, you know, talk to others about their background and why it's what they hold on to. And so it makes all of us a little less afraid to have those conversations with people we might have been you know, afraid of before or not wanted, just not wanted to engage, just been like, they're not even worth talking to. I'm just going to talk to people who share my values. So this diversity has, has helped us overcome that, but there's still, there's still a lot of work to be done. And I think that just the, the divisiveness has been the biggest, biggest challenge I've I've had to overcome because there are people I do not agree with. And sometimes I just want to write them off, but I know that that's not the way to deal with them because they're not going to go away just because I ignore them. I'm actually glad that you brought that up because I kind of, I share the same sentiment and the shortcoming of what we've been dealing with this year that I could think of that is kind of aligned with that too, is lack of compassion. (sighs) I, I don't think we've ever, at least in, in my time, I don't think I've ever really seen uh, us kind of just so adamant about attacking one another, about whatever your beliefs are, whatever you stand for. I mean, we've had a lot of tests this year, not just the pandemic or COVID. You know, we've had uh, uh, George Floyd, the BLM, we've had the election, we've had a whole bunch of stuff that we've had to test each other against. But it's never been a, a, a way that we can just debate or understand one another where each other are coming from it really literally is what you said is it's it's a dividing line you're either on one side or you're on the other side or if you don't say one thing about this certain issue then we are not going to talk to you anymore because you feel like you don't support them uh i I don't think i've ever seen cancel culture to be so uh rampant this year and i think it's just that it's just that it's that lack of compassion of not wanting to understand what somebody else is thinking or, or believing in, or at least accepting the fact that, okay, you, this is what you believe in and that's okay. We don't have to hate each other for, for doing that. I think that that is something that we have to kind of come together as, as a collective to try to understand that and to try to make that a reality is, you know, we got to stop trying to be so um, negative towards each other when we don't agree. 
it's fine to not agree with one another. I think that makes us even stronger as people, as human beings, is if we both have different ideas on things, that that should be fine. And uh, that's just something that we'll have to continue to work on is just to be a little bit more compassionate for one another. Yeah, agreed. As we, you know, I, I agree with everything that y'all have said and with and resonate deeply with the division um, being it's being difficult to observe and and I kept thinking about my family because my family we are very <laughs> different when it comes to our views I'm sure like a lot of us can relate but fundamentally you know we still love each other you know despite right despite the opposing political views even now like with the the views with COVID the views with Black Lives Matter the views with all of this um, but somehow we're still able to love each other and and the thing is it's like folks can believe what they choose but in the moment that it starts to harm others that's that's the problem right and that's why i find covid to be such an interesting lesson that we have to go through because regardless of your views regardless of your this color of your skin it is a disease that we are all susceptible to all of humanity is it's literally a disease that just our species has to face (laughs) And with that, it can either continue to divide us or bring us closer together and to bring right that compassion and and something that's been bubbling up for me uh, is um, the lack of compassion and, you know, maybe not everyone's going to agree with me right now, but this is how I feel is like the lack of compassion I'm seeing when it comes to mitigating covid You know, we are in a public health crisis and I think that, and it's interesting to observe the wellness community being um, divided on this when literally, you know, the wellness community, we should unite, you know, if we're all committed to healing, we are literally um, facing a disease that is new to our species and acting like it doesn't exist and acting like, oh, my right is being taken away for just having to wear a mask like for me it shows a tremendous privilege because the reality is that uh this is just a short time in history where we have to do this and for me what really brought a lot of peace in my heart was to do research to read about other pandemics to read that actually this is exactly how other pandemics were handled it's actually nothing new and that really empowered me um to learn about that and um so I, I, I want to encourage folks that are listening, you know, regardless of how the mask makes you feel, remember that maybe you're, you're not susceptible in a way that perhaps a stranger will be that, that you encounter in that day um, if they have, you know, underlying health issues or, you know, whatever it is. But just to help us bring more empathy, I think bringing more empathy to the conversation is uh, what's really needed. Yeah, it's that's exactly like what I I and JR also feel like mm-hmm. you are allowed to believe whatever you're allowed to believe, but when you start controlling what other people do with those mm-hmm. beliefs and you take away other people's choices, then you're not you're not holding the belief that everyone can have their own set of values. You're imposing those upon others and I think that that just doesn't fly, especially in a public health crisis. You know, if you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask, but then you should be aware of your risk and not go outside. Like if Mm -hmm. you, if it's really important that you don't wear that mask, you can wear, you know, not wear a mask inside your own home. 
um, it's, it's about human decency now. Mm -hmm. It's about, you know, making sure other people feel safe. And that is something that a lot of people I've noticed are, they don't, they don't really care about other people being safe or they view that like the right to being safe as something that you deserve if I like you and not something that every human being deserves. Like there are people I do not like. There are people I do not agree with. There are people I don't want to be around. I would never do something like put their health at risk. Mm-hmm. I just wouldn't. And I think that it's interesting that that's a thing that's up for debate for a lot of people when it was a very easy choice for me to make. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I like I want anyone listening who might not agree and might, you know, think that this is some, you know, stand I'm taking because I'm compliant or complacent, you know, think about the safety of other people and think about if you, you know, do you think everyone around you, everyone in the world deserves to be safe? Maybe you don't, but I think you should be a little more self-aware of that and, and be able to express that because we should be able to choose if we want to be around you then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and I understand and I get it, you know, I've kind of gone through the conspiracy theory rabbit hole and it gets weird and it makes you think. <laughs> and I understand like I've uh, of course it's uncomfortable, but when I stop to think, you know, if this can help like an elderly person or um if it's just like for a year I have to do this, I'll do this for a year. It's it's not going to last forever. But yeah, so I mean, kind of, kind of going back into the conspiracy theory. <laughs> so in a year filled with so many theories and anti-science remarks and just all these opposing things, where it's kind of been difficult to even understand what is the truth. Uh, what have y'all done to help find your center in in the middle of it all? Uh, for one, getting off of social media was fun. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think just for my sanity alone. You know, I had mentioned before, I, you know, the first thing I would do is open up my phone, look at Twitter, see what's going on in the world. Uh, I think what's kind of toxic about that kind of uh, situation is, you know, there are so many things that can be put out on social media. There are so many upsetting comments that you can see within a post that just undermines the whole entire situation that at some point I just had to kind of tell myself, like, I got to stop doing this because this is not making me feel good. Um, I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. I just had to kind of put it away for a little bit and kind of bring clarity to myself. And I think that a lot of people probably felt the same way too, is, you know, anything that you put on your phone or you turn on the TV, um, you just don't know anymore. What, what is it that, is actually beneficial to us or what is it that people are putting out there to put us in fear or make us afraid to want to live our lives or do the things that we want to do because of whatever the situation is. Um, yeah, I definitely had to kind of put that away just because it was just getting way too crazy. Yeah. I, I definitely feel that too. Um, I kind of found myself you know, up until probably about the election when I, I slipped and, and got back into, you know, the obsessive following of like politicians and the politics and updates and all that stuff. 
before then, I kind of, I kind of gave up on our like government as an institution a little bit. Just when, like, when lockdowns were being so inconsistent and the guidance was so haphazard and and just all across the board, you know, some governments are super open, some were super closed. There was no direct guidance. I understood why a lot of, you know, the anti-maskers or people who believe COVID was a hoax, I understood where they were coming from because, you know, like our, you know, our governor, Steve Sisolak, like I think half of his like policies make no sense from a health standpoint. Like I'm in holistic health. And so I have a limited background in, you know, epidemiology, but I still know that like there's certain ways that diseases spread and, you know, some of the things that he was doing, like, you know, it's not like the disease can't spread to one other person. So I don't know why we're keeping certain bars open or certain restaurants open. And so I had a lot of problems, problems with that too. Um, it was a, a unanimous problem. It was not a red or blue problem. So I, I tried to reach across, you know, and commiserate because like, yes, I would love to have, you know, guidance on, don't leave the house except for this. Don't leave the house for this amount of time. Don't do any of these things. You may do these things. I thought that would have been helpful, but it's all wrapped up in all kinds of bureaucracy and it's swayed by economic interests. It's swayed by corporate interests. So I kind of just buried all my idols and I stopped like following, you know, or trusting even a lot of the time. Um, big politicians and I've never been like a big politician like fan but I definitely just stopped like I I shied a lot away from like Democrats and liberalism and like those institutions that were super blue in some ways and super but still had a lot of ulterior interests at heart because I mean, some of the criticisms I have of my own, you know, the people that I voted for are the same ones that the opposition has. And I think that we should be able to reconcile criticizing, you know, our politicians and our leaders to have our interests at heart and not, you know, corporates and corporations, not businesses, not CEOs, not billionaires. So I, I kind of retreated from all that to, to stop from it being so, you know, divisive, like I said. Um, I kind of wanted to look at it from a bigger outside viewpoint and, you know, there are so many conspiracy theories. There's so many people just denying the science. And with that, you know, all you can really do is try and have a compassionate conversation with them. It may or may not work. At least the effort is there. And that's, that's all I did was like, if I tried, if I tried to talk to someone, if I, you know, acknowledged their fear or their anger and you know what led them to believe this or what led them to hold this opinion I validated that because I understand it I understand that I could be in their shoes had I you know gone through the circumstances they went through but then I you know urge them may you know educate yourself I even um I decided to, I was talking to someone about politics and I said, I will read a book that you choose if you read a book I choose. And so it was a very eye-opening experience. Um, 
it didn't change my mind, of course, and I'm sure it didn't change theirs. I would be super presumptuous to assume that it changed anything about their views, but it did, you know, bring us back to some solid ground. And I still don't like them. I still don't agree with them, but understanding was the only thing I could, you know, reach for because the conspiracy, the deny denial of science that's not that's in crazy world i'm sorry to call it crazy but that's like up here in the clouds and you have to bring it back to like some concrete stuff like you know what i will agree with you and i will say our two-party system is corrupt and broken all like all, yeah i'll agree with you all day long maybe we can agree on that maybe you know your circumstances led you to a different belief than i came to but we have understanding at this level. I lose you way off in that those clouds, but for a minute there, we had each other. And so that was the kind of anchor I held myself to was that, you know, we could agree on some certain real fact things and anything beyond that, probably I wasn't going to change anyways. I think that's so powerful what you've done, um, that you did that. And I think hopefully as we enter a new era with a new president, um, we can attempt now to have more uncomfortable conversations with people that we don't necessarily agree with. And I think that's where the true healing will begin. And unity is by us trying to have those type of interactions. So it's that's so cool that you did that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think y'all really nailed all of it. Um, for me, you know, what brought me my center was um, going to nature and realizing like we are another species on this planet and just how sometimes we'll occasionally hear of, of a different bee species going through um, a disease. Like now it's our turn and it sucks. Like it doesn't mean like, I'm like, Oh great. No, it's, it definitely sucks. <laughs> but it, it, I think it's made um, myself more humble. And I, I hope that a lot of other humans can feel the same way. But I'm right there with you. I think just turning to science, turning to to as many facts as that, that I could find is what really empowered me and learning more about um, health and nutrition. Uh, man, ever since it started, I, I uh, started adding on my vitamin intake every day. So it's been, so I know my body is a lot better than before March because of that, you know. Um, so little things like that, just just trying to empower myself more. And so my my main criticisms would be that is that I wish our governments, you know, in addition to the different public health measures to be done, I also wish the narrative would be globally. All right, guys. Well, now these are the things y'all can do to improve your wellness. These are the types of foods y'all should be eating. These are the types of vitamins. I wish we could we could have that, you know, coming from our government. And that that would be so empowering. Like I was actually thinking about that the other day. I, I, I believe we'd have less fear around it. Um, maybe we'd still be spooked, of course, but I do believe we'd have less fear if we would have had more of an empowering narrative. To the same token, as you were saying earlier too, Rachel, these people that are our government leaders, they're humans too. And they're going through their fears with this. And I mean, I, I can hear it in Governor Sisolak's voice when he goes on. Like I see the human, the humanity in him that I, I could see him trying his best 
and realizing that he has made mistakes. Like I really felt that in his last speech that he had. So who knows, right? And then, and like you said too, just the the the, the corporate interests at play. All of that has been very apparent as well. So who knows? But I think that we have come come a long way, right? Since since March, and I, I hope that people do feel more empowered in certain aspects when navigating through through it. I know that we've had this kind of conversation too. Is that what we're kind of hoping for at the end of all of this? Is that people don't take it for granted that once the vaccine is out, once COVID starts to die down and things kind of go back to normal, that people don't go back to what they were doing before all this started, because there has been a lot of good things that have come out with us kind of being indoors, you know, the earth is healing, a lot of stuff that we've kind of taken for granted that coming out of it at the end of it, you know, let's make sure that we're actually doing the right things to make sure that not only are we keeping this world healthy and and safe, but keeping each other healthy and safe too. I think that that will kind of be the, the measuring stick after all of this is done is to see where humanity is after a pandemic, uh, after a a modern pandemic, really. So it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen for us next. Mm -hmm. And I think that ties in great with the next question of uh, what are some lessons do y'all think we've learned um, as a collective this year and hoping it brings a brighter future? (laughs) I had to think about that. <laughs> yeah, that's a big one. That's a tall order. Right. That's a big question. It's kind of kind of hard to answer just because we're still living in it. Mm-hmm. That, you know, we kind of don't see the finish line just yet. You know, the, the vaccine's still being produced, hasn't been out yet. How many people are taking the vaccine? Who's not taking the vaccine? How long will it take until, you know, it's kind of flesh itself out? But yeah, it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to answer. Yeah, I don't I I hope there's a day when we're actually ready to answer it, but I don't I don't know that that day is very soon. Um I I think we all have a lot of growth to be this year. Um uh we're going through the ringer right now and once we get out, it's almost going to be like everyone's going to look around and be like, "Well, what now?" You know, when we're through the hard part we thought that was the hard part, but really the hard part's going to be how we treat each other after, you know, how we treat each other when it's not like, when there's not people dying, you know, because do people really have to be dying in hundreds of thousands for us to treat each other with compassion? Um, I hope not. I hope that, that this is the thing, like JR said, where we don't go back to the way we were before. I hope it brings us, you know, new revelations of Maybe we should be really concerned about everyone's health. Like in general, maybe we need to, you know, we need to intervene in our environment so that we are not creating toxic pollution filled places for our children to grow up and get sick and have to take antibiotics and get sicker every year and every generation. I hope that, you know, this is enough to change things and to motivate people and I hope that it's lasting enough that it's not going to be, it's not going to be our generation's AIDS, AIDS crisis. It's not going to be, you know, our generation's thing that we went through and talk about and that doesn't get addressed after us. Right now we are realizing that, you know, this virus and this social d- unrest 
this, you know, political climate, this economy globally and nationally is all the bed we made and we are lying in it right now. And I hope that that makes everyone want a different bed because I sure do. So I, I hope this is like a big wake up call worldwide um, because I would hate to see humanity just treat this as a speed bump and keep on going. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I also hope that people answer to this call. Um, you know, I always think of to the climate change statistics and the statistics that we're given aren't really good. You know, they're not really great. And um, I don't like to um, dwell on those too much, like the 2030 mark, the 2050 mark, um, because if not, then I would be really sad all the time. But um I hope that people understand the connection that this disease has with climate change because the climate change, all the studies have shown that as it increases, that means more disease will sweep through the land. Um, and so we're literally, we're living through that and it's up to us to like, you're all, like you guys are saying, it is up to us to uh, make a more sustainable future for ourselves, for our species, for our fellow uh, beings on this planet. Um, so it's time for humanity to stop being selfish. <laughs> let's, let's hope this year has slapped that out of us. Cause if not, um, you know, our species will can, I believe will continue to face, um, difficult moments like this so you know I'm always the I'm the eternal optimist always but let us but by being an optimist doesn't mean that we ignore the the warnings right and that let's use these warnings to to see what we're up against and build solutions so so that's my wish so let's go back so so our last question is what's your wish for 2021 and beyond I think I, I kind of said mine um, what about you guys Oh man, there are so many. Well, let me find my list real quick. Yeah, um, where's the list? The list. What is your wish for 2021? <laughs> you know, I, I think I don't like to use the word normal in this sense because there are stuff that we were doing before any of this happened that we're not okay either. So I just wish that this pandemic or this virus wouldn't be the fear that we have now in this year. Uh, I kind of wanted to get to a point where obviously COVID is with us now, and I don't think that that's going to be going away anytime soon, but for it to become something within ourselves that, you know, we're able to deal with, that it isn't something that we're always cautious about, not worried to be around other people without our masks on or anything like that. I just hope that in 2021 that the virus is a little bit more uh, manageable uh, because I think there is something to say about the way that we operate as human beings is as much as I love being at home and as much of a homebody that I am, there's still something about being around people that makes you feel human, right? That I don't see us in 2021 not being able to do that. Zoom has been a great tool to do this. Uh, I never thought Zoom would be a household name. Trust me. FaceTime, all of that. We uh, And to go back to the other question, uh, I think one of the fundamental lessons was that we were able to adapt. We're able to um, change with the times. 
because we've never been in this kind of climate before. Uh, that I think that, that kind of shows the brighter future of what we're kind of dealing with is because now we know how to work kind of across from each other or work away from each other or try to connect and, and, and make things happen when we're not face to face. But there is something to be said that in 2021, I think that if we can come back together and be able to, to see each other face to face, I think that that would, is going to have a much greater impact on us as a whole. Um, and I think that it's very important to kind of have that. So my wish is that we kind of get back together and we're kind of face to face and around each other again, um, just to feel like normal human beings. Yeah, that's that's such a far feeling from right now. It feels like a crazy wish, even though it's just like, it's just a simple, you know, way of being. I've been trying to think of mine the entire time you were talking. And I still, like, I hope that 2021 and, you know, beyond that, however long it takes, I will wait. I hope that people start to leave their ego at the door and look at others and decide, you know, definitively and firmly that it will not do to have them suffering. Because I I see a lot of people who want to, what about me? Black Lives Matter, what about me? What about my life? And it's that kind of defense that stops the argument or stops the point dead in the water. And I think that, you know, if we can leave our ego at the door, you know, stop worrying about us and trust that if we take care of others, we will also be taken care of. Like people deserve to live. People deserve to not be incarcerated for things that are not harmful. They don't deserve to be incarcerated for life over something that they did, you know, years ago. They deserve rehabilitation. People deserve sustainable living conditions they deserve safe just shelter just safe shelter um a lot of these things are still up for debate and i really hope that this is a year that stops the end of that debate because i don't know how long humanity can go i mean it's gone a long time so it's probably gonna go a real long time but i don't know how far it can go in quality if we see other people suffering and decide we're okay with it as long as we get to continue our lives. Yeah. So well said. And um, I agree with you guys. And my wish is similar to y'all. Let us bring more compassion and uh, more empathy. And and it starts with ourselves, right? Like it always begins with you and then branching that out to, uh, everybody else so let's 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 work actively to bring more compassion as much as we can practice it because it is a practice at the end of the day it isn't something that we um, are automatically experts at Um, the more we practice the the easier it gets Um, we have a lot of work but we can do it (laughs) we can do this (laughs) all right guys well that kind of that wraps up all the questions I had prepared do you all have any additional comments or anything to add uh i would say for people who are listening in to kind of reflect on your life too during this time uh, i think that this year has definitely given us the time to do so that we've never been able to do before so you know utilize 
this time, utilize the last month in 2020 before we move into 2021 to actually really sit down and, and, and reflect on your life. So you can reflect on the bad times, you can reflect on the good times, but you know, just take an inventory of yourself. How are you doing? How was your life this year? What are the things that you can do that make you better? Uh, what are the things that you want to stop doing that have made you feel bad? Um, I think it's very important for all of us to kind of do this uh, before we go into the new year uh, to really kind of understand what our, our, one ourselves, but two, to understand each other. So definitely reflect because 2021 is right around the corner. We need to be ready. <laughs> It's been a hell of a year, y'all. <laughs> Let's hope we get a do-over. Let's hope 2021 is it's going to be our year this time. We got this one. <laughs> we got it. We've gotten stronger. We can do it. <laughs> yep. I believe in you all. <laughs> all right, everyone. Well, thank you all for riding this wave with us this year. And we're so grateful and excited to continue moving forward. Um, thank you for growing with us. So here's to an incredible and transformative and challenging 2020 and let 2021 be that much better and uh, bring us what we need to learn. But at the same time, let us have, have as more gratitude to have more gratitude into 2021. So, all right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in and we will chat with y'all later. Bye.